Welcome to the ENA Podcast. This is the ENA Podcast. This is Dan Campana, Senior Manager for PR and Communications with the Emergency Nurses Association, welcoming you back to our latest episode. And uh, it's an episode I'm excited to, uh, to be a part of today because I was able to see today's guest, Ryan Aga, a nurse manager with Region Hospital, Regions Hospital in St. Paul, Minnesota. I got to see Ryan's presentation at Emergency Nursing 2019 on a topic that, um, based on the crowd in the audience, uh, it was a topic that people were interested in, but as Ryan was able to show through some of the things that uh, questions he asked, maybe it's not something everybody thinks about or is, is necessarily well-versed in. So uh, let me welcome in Ryan Aga. Ryan, welcome to the ENA podcast. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be a part of this. So, Ryan, uh, first off, why don't you give us a little bit of, uh, you know, your background uh, in, in nursing, emergency nursing, and a little bit of uh, what your, your job is entailing these days. Yes. Um, so, um, I am a lifelong emergency nurse. I began um, emergency nursing back in 2001. Um, and uh, have been, had a lot of um, interest in emergency nursing and um, have been involved in the ENA at several entities, um, primarily teaching um, a lot of the ENPC and TNCC courses. Um, I've worked in uh, rural uh, Minnesota in a rural setting. I've also worked in a suburban setting as an emergency nurse. And then um, currently I'm uh, a nurse manager for the emergency department at Regions Hospital. Um, it's a level one academic trauma center, um, urban center. So we see roughly 90,000 patient visits per year. Um, and we have um, roughly around 310 staff, uh, nursing staff roll up to our nursing leadership team. Um, so I oversee all of nursing operations and, and practice in, in our busy emergency department in St. Paul. Okay. So your topic at a conference in Austin was basically focused on the reality of the terrorist threat toward hospitals. And um, what I liked is you were very blunt about some of the realities, but you also mixed in a little bit of humor. And really, let, let's start with this. Um, where, what prompted you to get into the research on this topic, knowing that it's something that nobody really wants to think about, but really everybody should be thinking about? Yeah, so I've had an innate interest um, and a lot of passionate interest about um, emergency preparedness and mass casualty response uh, for many years, um, just knowing that uh, the day is coming, um, that we all need to be um, at the highest level of preparedness um, as emergency nurses and being an advocate um, at an emergency nurse level, knowing that we'll be the first um, wave of, of such a, an event um, and they're becoming more common in the United States. And so I've kind of had a, um, like I said, innate uh, ability to be passionate about uh, the work of emergency preparedness. So um, back in, um, I would say we're dialing back to, uh, you know, 2017, maybe a little bit before, um, there was um, an alert that was sent out uh, via the Joint Commission in for hospitals to be on the lookout for potential um, terrorists uh, that were targeting hospitals. Um, and this came through a very, very um, probably not highly publicized, uh, I believe it was a, a, 
uh, newsletter I got or some, for some other entity, I found this out and I started digging further and it, it sparked that we in emergency settings um, really have never talked about uh, the the um, potential threat of terrorism against hospitals. And I started talking with our um, senior administration team and our security team and they were like, oh boy, this is like, I, I had no idea. So um, again, uh, to get back to your uh, question, um, what sparked, it was um, just a curiosity and knowing that um, this was happening across the globe rather frequently that there was targeted um, terrorist attacks against hospitals. And I knew um, where we were in the state of um, looming terrorism that potentially hospitals here in the United States could be a, a target for terrorism. So that's when I started to dive deeper, um, looking at a lot of um, incidents that happened across the globe and, uh, and how they were um, potentially, how hospitals here should be worrisome of of a potential terrorist uh, uh, threat. Knowing that hospital organizations are wide open, um, so our doors are open 24 seven, we have a lot of vulnerabilities within the hospital setting, you know, radiological, we have laboratory, we've got a lot of chemicals, we've got, and then we're the, we're the first conduit um, to, of course, render aid and, and care for people when they, there is a, a, uh, an event uh, within a city or a community. Uh, and the, that um, that looming risk of having simultaneous attacks both in the community and then potentially within the hospital. Again, the main um, the main uh, objective of terrorists is to cause chaos. And so, why wouldn't you uh, do a simultaneous attack in the community and then shut down the level one trauma center and to create more chaos and more casualties? So that's kind of where I became more and more interested in the topic. So from listening to your presentation, uh, it, it seems like it could be real easy to get overwhelmed by this because when you have that global scale and you presented information about attacks on hospitals and you know, um, you know, uh, medical professionals who uh, became a part of different um, you know, uh, organizations or were part of plots to, uh, to commit attacks, that's really high level stuff that can make people feel like it's a little bit distant from their day to day. But then you had a moment where you asked everybody to hold up their water bottles or their hydro flasks to drive home the point that it's just that easy for somebody to create a bomb using something that looks like an everyday item. How do you uh, not let it get overwhelming and, and how would you like to present it in a way that it doesn't scare people to the point where they're, they're rigid and frozen and they don't know whether they can act on the little things that you can do to be vigilant every day? Yeah, I agree. It can become overwhelming in the grand scheme of things. And so um, I just, uh, you know, kind of a watered down approach. What can you do on a day to day basis? Um, a lot of it comes from our um, instinctual gut instinct of um, what we see and keeping our eyes peeled um, to the daily operations. Uh, we are a society that's definitely focused a lot more on our technology and what's in front of us. So we're looking at our iPads we're looking at our phones. Um, we're not looking at uh, uh, signals around us that may be potential things that look odd. And so I think our best senses um, are our ears and our eyes and our nose. And so um, just having a perspective of keeping those intact. And um, again, the main thread uh, throughout all of that training is if you see something, act upon it. Um, 
And so I, I think uh, to get less fearful, um, it is uh, just keep a very keen sense of your instinct, your gut, um, kind of that preparedness. I know I talked about you know, left of bang and um, being left of bang is to keep your eyes peeled um, before there's an incident and, and report on it. Um, and there's, they're very, there's very uh, common sense types of things. If you look at uh, the retrospective analysis of a, of a terror uh, attack, there's a lot of pre-terrorism indicators that um, we, we as emergency nurses um, utilize a lot in our day-to-day. Um, there's a heavy emphasis of um, anxiety amongst terrorists. Um, right before the incident. So you might see somebody is highly anxious and they're in the wrong area and to act upon that and report on that um, before before something happens. I believe it was a it was a, either the London um, one of the bus attacks uh, and there was individuals on that bus that saw things happening around them uh, that um, they, they just didn't feel right about. And they vacated that bus um, blocks before it um, was bombed. And they talked to those individuals and they said, well, there's people that were highly anxious and we felt palpably that there was something going to happen. And they're like, we're getting off of here, out of this bus. And so it's um, always acting upon your gut, um, keeping your senses, your ears, eyes, nose um, uh, intact and act upon those, um, those spidey senses, if I per se. Sure. Well, and, and you mentioned you've got that healthy amount of paranoia that flows through you, but it doesn't come from, it doesn't come without context. You shared a couple of uh, instances that you experienced or that your hospital experienced that were indicators of things that you had described. So when it comes to plotting for some sort of a, of a larger scale event, certain things such as, you know, uh, sort of casing out or scoping out a venue beforehand, uh, was something that you had mentioned. So talk a little bit about that incident or those incidents that involved the hospital, but then you also had a couple of personal things that either you observed or you were a part of that have fed into the reason why your your senses are so heightened. Yeah, one of the incidents is, and we always, you know, across the United States, uh, individuals, particularly terrorists, are looking for um, security, uh, potentials of uh, breach of security. Um, and so we had an individual that presented to our emergency department uh, several times. Um, just the only question he had was for our security uh, law enforcement officer in the front of our hospital. Um, didn't want to be seen. Just asked the officer very vague questions as to you know how busy is the emergency department tonight. Um, the individual looked suspicious. Um, he quickly vacated our property and was not able to be found. Um, he represented back upon our organization. The, the very similar um, questions, is the ED busy tonight? Um, and so just those um, touch bases with law enforcement, uh, there's potential for that person um, to just uh, interact with law enforcement to see, you know, how engaged or disengaged they are. Um, and so, so that was one of the um, examples of, you know, just a touch base with our law enforcement personnel and really didn't have wasn't presenting to the emergency department to be seen from a emergency medical condition, just had a vague question for our operations. And so you're going to, um, those that are uh, listening to this uh, podcast are going to want to be, you know, highly 
um, keep your ears and eyes peeled to people that are asking about security protocols or um, secured access points or uh, things like that that are, uh, are potential risk. Um, the other one um, came in um, that was more of a personal side. Um, there was a uh, individual uh, that never had utilized our hospital services here um, and started to reach out to a guest experience manager um, about uh, different uh, hospital operations, such as where's your operating room, where's your burn center, how many um, rooms do you have in your operating room suite, um, do you have anything planned on a certain holiday, uh, just random questions. And this um, gentleman also um, perseverated around uh, wanting to know more information about myself. Um, and um, again, the questions were very uh, random, very vague. They didn't align with um, needing our hospital services. Um, and so acting upon those, getting security, our security director involved really quickly, um, he in turn got law enforcement involved, um, ended up not being uh, anything of a terror threat, uh, but ended up being um, the, the gentleman had some issues with uh, mental illness. And so, um, but, you know, just acting upon those things um, and getting the right resources engaged early on are, are pivotal. The those experiences certainly inform a lot of what has motivated you to to keep on top of this and whether it's noticing things in the hallway or people walking around with large bags going into bathrooms. I mean, you certainly have had enough day to day opportunity to observe things and ask that extra question. But you also have done your research. And I think you joked a little bit about, um, you know, there's probably you've piqued the interest of some folks because of your Internet searches and, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, things of that nature. But when when you're going through this, um, is, how much of this is to feel informed and able to share with other people, or is it really just trying to get a grasp of really how serious this can be, especially on soft targets like hospitals? Yeah, um, you know, my global perspective is the more to share and get to pe get out to our emergency nurses, um, our profession as being an advocate for this. Um, we're all in the driver's seat to be advocates. And I think sometimes we get lost in that ability to um, use that skill set um, as such as professional nurses. Um, so my main philosophy is um, the more people that hear this message and be, can become the, there's more greater eyes out there as far as the, keeping an organization safe, um, the better. Um, and so my, my tactic is to number one, you know, educate our staff um, so they're using those uh, same things that I'm wanting to get out. But um, as far as uh, professionally, as emergency room nurses, we're well positioned. There's many, many, many of us, and it takes many, many people that um, keep their senses intact and act upon those to keep uh, hospital organizations safe. And I think in today's world, I think we're all focusing on, especially emergency department leaders, on bulletproof glass, metal detection, um, higher enhancements to security protocols. Um, those are good. Those are um, other components that will help, but the biggest one is to keep all the greater body of many, many people um, keenly intact to the potential of terrorism. Um, that's what's gonna save us in the long run. Um, maybe not a, a a mega amounts of uh, security enhancements with the metal detection and bulletproof glass. It's it's keeping people intact and acting upon 
um, the things that they're seeing that are abnormal that will um, that will probably save a lot of lives. And it's fair to say that this isn't isolated to major trauma centers or major hospitals in big cities only. I mean, this is across the board. No matter where you work, there's a potential for someone, you know, whether they're a, a true and true terrorist or whether they're just somebody with some some poor intentions or, or, you know, they're looking to act out in some sort of violent way. It doesn't matter the size of your facility. You have to be looking out for these things. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, at the conference, I showed a map of all the terror target groups um, within a state. Um, and it, absolutely, there tends to be more vulnerability, I would say, um, less assets and resources, especially with law enforcement, out of the city. So in rural settings, um, you might those folks might not have a um, well-robust law enforcement presence. And so, and and there are pockets of terrorism, uh, both you know right and left wing extremists. There's lone wolves that tend to isolate themselves in desolate areas um, that can um, start to to grow. Um, groups within themselves um, out in rural settings. Um, so definitely, does regardless of, you know, a major center in the heart of a big city or in a rural setting, um, all of us are equally vulnerable um, to, uh, to terrorism. Yeah. Well, well, Ryan, um, what's the final word from you? You uh, presented this at conference. You had a packed audience in there. I'm sure you learned a lot about sort of the pulse of what's going on among emergency nurses based on some of the responses to your questions. So what's your what's sort of your final word at this point to uh, to people listening here on just the idea of, of terrorism and how it relates to EDs and hospitals these days? Yeah, um, I think, I'll you know, uh, some of my closing statements would be what I shared at uh, ENA uh, 2019, too, is. Um, be an advocate. Um, know that you are an advocate. And um, I think post-conference, there was many people who were like, well, I can't get my security leaders involved or they don't want to become engaged. Um, kind of using that Winston Churchill philosophy, never, never, never give up. And so continuing to be an advocate, looking at research, um, um, re-engaging um, leadership, also uh, engage in law enforcement. Relationships with law enforcement are huge. Um, and, and we intersect a lot as emergency nurses with our law enforcement partners. So um, be an advocate, start to reach out to um, the uh, agencies that cross our lines and boundaries and forge relationships with those, um, those leaders at that level. Um, and then um, an advocate on a, you know, uh, day-to-day ER nurse that's um, working at the stretcher side with patients every day is, um, Again, don't lose don't lose sight of um, being really keenly intact. You're um, using your gut, your instincts. Um, always have a plan uh, how to uh, approach um, a situation in an emergency such as terrorism, um, and uh, have those discussions daily with your with your colleagues on your in your emergency departments. It's conversations such as that that continue to spread and create a culture shift. And so um, having that culture shift uh, to a, a safer emergency department in the wake of a potential terrorist threat, those discussions will be remembered. And so um, so those are kind of my closing, um, I would say takeaways. Uh, be an advocate, uh, reform relationships with law enforcement, and uh, 
don't give up um, on, on advocacy in this area. Well, very good. Uh, Ryan Aga, nurse manager with Regions Hospital in St. Paul, Minnesota. Thank you so much for being a part of the ENA podcast today. You're certainly welcome. Thanks for having me. So that'll do it for this episode of the ENA podcast. And I'll let you listeners know that uh, Ryan and many other presentations from Emergency Nursing 2019 will be available through Conference on Demand. So if you missed out on Ryan's session there or you weren't able to join us in Austin, uh, you'll be able to pick up um, Conference on Demand and get a sense of what Ryan really, you know, his passion for this topic and, and learn a little bit more about some of the details that he shared with the audience there in Austin. So with that, uh, until next time, this is Dan Campana with the ENA Podcast, and uh, thank you for listening. 